Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for March 12th, 2019. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. And on today's podcast, we're going to bring you another Captain Marvel special. This is going to be an interview special. I'm going to play for you my interviews from the Captain Marvel junket. I talked to producer Kevin Feige, and I talked to the directors of the film, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Uh, but first, we're going to play our interview with Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios. I talked to him about a variety of things, from the end credit scene for Infinity War to if Captain Marvel was going to be in that movie, how Carol's powers don't break the MCU, Stan Lee's tribute and cameo, the whereabouts of Goose, why hasn't Nick Fury used that pager before Infinity War, and uh, the upcoming Marvel television shows planned for the Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, all that and more are in this interview. If you have not watched Captain Marvel, do not listen to this interview because it has spoilers. So uh, here is my interview with Marvel Studios head, Kevin Feige. What's in the goodie bag? I don't take up too much uh, time. Nothing cool. Uh, no, a doll that I'm going to give to uh, a friend's kid. No, you can keep it. Don't be shy. <laughs> keep it. Uh, you know, normally we ask you about all these things in the future, and I know uh, this time you really can't answer a lot, so I'm going to start true. in the past. Okay, good. Uh, when I was on the set of Infinity War, the directors said that Captain Marvel was in the movie, and then, like, months later, they said that she wasn't. So I'm wondering, was there originally a part that she was, like, had some kind of appearance in Infinity War? In Infinity War? Yeah. No. No? No, because we made those movies at the same time together, that might have been what they were referring to. Okay. Because um, we did... I mean, it was all the, it was all the same... all the same uh, thought process going on, but she was never in the movie. Originally... If I'm correct, Infinity War didn't have an after credit sequence. Is that correct? You mean in the early days of planning it? I thought I had heard that like originally like it test screened without any end credits. Well, we thing. we often don't put the tags on in test okay. screen. <clears throat> if that's what you heard. We we in fact we rarely do. Um, I think we did in the last one or two screenings of Infinity War put it on there. 
And same thing with the tags on Captain Marvel. The first three or four test screens, we didn't put it on yet. Because you want to focus on the movie, okay. not the tag. Um, well, I was going to ask you if that tag came later in the process. How did that... Because that becomes... That device, the pager, becomes a big part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Same time. We were developing the movies at the same time. We were shooting the movies at the same time. Um, and uh, not in the same place. Because, uh, as you know, if anyone was Atlanta, this was Los Angeles. Um, but it was an idea early on to link them and to, uh, and to uh, link the characters of Captain Marvel and Nick Fury sort of through that span of time with a, with a 90s device. Yeah. Um, so, it, so it was something that was pitched to both teams um, to basically say, you have to integrate a pager. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and both teams are so uh, uh, talented and great, they turn it into this you know, very emotional connection between between movies, so much so that when you see, uh, watch Captain Marvel with an audience, when that pager comes out, people go, oh, that, that's it. That, that's when she, she gave it, that's when the, uh, yeah. you know, it first appeared. Does, um, is this the case that the end credit scene, that end credit scene shot by the Russos during production? Yes, yeah. of Infinity War? Yeah. Yes. Um, by the end of this movie, Carol is unchained and we kind of see the possibilities of her powers. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not the extent, but we see <laughs> that she's very powerful. Yes. Uh, I'm not a video gamer, but a lot of my friends play video games. They say there's this thing called power creep that like... And there's something, somebody that's... Johnson like, plays video games. That's true. So I'm wondering... What's how, power creep? They just keep getting stronger and stronger? I've actually never heard that before, but I guess it's... Your game was you made that up. Yeah, when you get too far along and someone's so overpowered. I see. So I'm wondering, how is she going to exist in the future of the cinematic universe when she can, like, take out, a, you know... Well, the point of this movie was to see her, exactly as you said, unleashed, unchained. Yeah. What happens when she yeah. taps into her full potential, not being held back. So it was not the time to hold back. It was not the time to, to emphasize limitations or uh, flaws. We'd seen that over the course of the, of the rest of the movie. We wanted to see her cut loose. Um, and in future stories, you know, somebody asked me this earlier, and I said, well, none of the Marvel characters are immortal, even ones that seem immortal, but perhaps are just very long-lived. Uh, some people might be very hard to kill, but nobody's unkillable. Um, so if we're lucky enough to see future adventures with Captain Marvel, um, of course there, are, there will be limitations and there will be um, Achilles heels. Yeah. Uh, and there will be things that we learn uh, and see that it's, it's not as easy as, uh, as uh, slicing through, uh, through whatever she wants to at any point. But this wasn't the time to accentuate that. Can you talk about how the Stanley tribute came about? Uh, We've been thinking for, for a number of years, uh, uh, you know, very rarely and not that often, what would we do if? What would we do when? And uh, had certainly hoped it would be a, 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 in decades from now. Um, but that the films themselves are the tribute. The films themselves are, the, uh, are, are what we work so hard on to, to do right by his creations and the creations of all his, of his collaborators and co-creators. Um, and that, and because Captain Marvel's the first one since his passing, we wanted to kick the movie right away off with a with a tribute that feels celebratory as opposed to mournful. Because certainly, you know, uh, it seems to us, and we've been told by by people close to Stan that he didn't want people um, mourning or being sad. They want he wanted to celebrate. 
uh, and that was and that was something that came together um, soon after he passed. And 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 uh, our visual development group did all those beautiful sketches at the top of it, and then of course um, uh, we put in all the cameos. And even if you if you I don't know how many times you've seen it, but there's even some B-roll of him with our cast and our filmmakers. It's not just clips from the movies in 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 that uh, logo. Yeah, and his cameo in that, by the way, that's fantastic. And his cameo in this is great, because this is the first time he's playing him, right? He's himself in 1995, reading a, reading a script. Yeah. Practicing um, lines. How did that come about? That was the idea, that was the idea a long time ago when the, when the script was coming together. How do we, how do we integrate, how do we integrate 1995 Stan? And the idea, and, and uh, uh, while making this movie and developing this movie, we sort of had lists of everything that happened in every year of the early '90s, and uh, and his cameo in Mallrats was a big was a big one. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly who had the idea. I think it was Ryan and Anna. Anna and Ryan had the idea. Yeah, that he was looking at a at a Mallrats script, and we uh, I spoke to Kevin Smith, and uh, and uh, you know we got his sign off on it. Um, I'm wondering what has Goose been doing like the last <laughs> twenty years. Like, can we get, like, a short film on, like, Disney Plus where we, like, see that Goose was, like, secretly off-screen in all these important I events? It. I love it. By the way, that's one of the fun things about Disney Plus is we could, we could actually do ideas like that. The fun thing about introducing new characters in all these movies is suddenly going from a character that maybe you'd heard of if you'd read the books, but if you hadn't, you'd never heard of them, uh, uh, had never heard of them, and then you see the movie you go, I want to see more of that character yeah. and the fact that you and other people are asking when do we see more of the cat you know so the question is how long what is the lifespan of a flurkin <laughs> it's a good question we know because, I, I was just wondering that earlier today because a cat it's is life, 15 years that's a cat the goose goose would be dead but like is flurkins might be might be longer lived and as we know from from the comics flurkins uh procreate mm. quite a bit uh they're they're uh I don't want to say Tribble-esque, but there's sort of points in those comics where they sort of are in terms of how many appear. So I'm sure there are more Flurkins out there. And is Goose out there? He could be. If Goose is out there... She could be. Or if she's out there right now, is she still in that same cat body? Isn't that a Flurkin body? Or do you think that, I don't the know. Flurkins inhabit... I thought they inhabited, but maybe... Did they get into know. that? Uh, <laughs> I think that's just a Flurkin. Yeah, I thought they were... Peter's always going deep. <laughs> I think Flurkins look like cats. Coincidentally, looks like cats. Yeah, and then, but they, but they are not cats. I don't think they can, you know. I don't think they're parasites. That yeah. that, that you know, alien ass Geiger ass parasites. Ah, I just assume he's hiding in the cat. But maybe, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Does um, where do all those be? The question is, where do those, where do the Cree go? They all fit. They, they fit in her body. Do you know the answer to that? I don't. They're pocket universes in the, in the, in, the, in, in, in Flurkin. In this is the key uh, to body. Phase Five. The pocket universe of, of the of the Flurkin. Um, I have my nitpicky question. I got to ask you. I'm ready. Why? And I know you probably have an answer for this. Why did Nick Fury not use the pager until uh, Infinity War? Because like you know, giant ant, like this big. <clears throat> hole opened up in the sky and aliens came to New York City. Well, Why I'd say, not? Well, I'd say two things. One, she does say it's got to be real emergency. Real emergency, right? Yeah. Because that was just the city. I guess that's not the world. The other thing I'd say is how do you know he never hit it? How do you know he never pushed it before? Mm. We've never seen him push it before. 
That doesn't mean he never did. Good answer. <laughs> uh, the scrolls. I I think everybody was assuming that this was going to head towards uh, Secret War, Secret Invasion, or Secret Invasion. Sorry, uh-huh. um, but they're kind of left off in this movie. It's kind of the good guys, and we're kind of we have a relationship with them now. So does that mean we can't eventually get there? Or uh, I don't think it means that at all. I think it means uh, that the that the scrolls are as diverse and uh, multi layered as any other intelligent life form, certainly like humanity itself, and we happen to see uh, good ones, I think there are probably bad ones out there as well, like there are with any uh, fully realized uh, uh, characters. But yes, the idea certainly was to uh, subvert the expectation of the pointy-eared green aliens and Ben Mendelsohn, and even subverting people's assumption that Ben Mendelsohn would be playing the villain. Yeah, which no, that everybody was, did. That was great. And He's was, so great. And, and we never said anything either way. We just let that narrative spin um, because he had been cast so often as the as the heavy, and he can he's he can play the heavy. He can play the good guy. I thought he just did a tremendous work um, uh, in that in that in and out of that makeup, uh, performing that movie. I have one last question. Yeah, yeah of course. Last time I talked to you, I asked about Disney Plus, and at that point, it had just been announced, and you're like, "Yeah, we're talking with them." And now there's been some announcements. And stuff. I'm wondering, like, are you, are you going to be taking like a uh, Star Wars uh, expand, uh, expanded universe take on this? Like, are there going to be like, are they going to be prequels, or are they going to? How are they going to fit in? Um, well, obviously, I don't want to get too specific. We've talked. We've announced the uh, the Loki um, series and, and Tom Hiddleston's involvement. Um, but it will be MCU proper. Sometimes it will take place, as Captain Marvel did in a time before uh, uh, current events. Sometimes it will take place during. And, and what it, but I will say, whatever happens in those, in those shows and with characters that have been in the films, you know, they'll undergo transformations, not Loki necessarily, but will undergo transformations in their se- series, and those transformations will be reflected in their next film appearances. Um, uh, because we've been developing uh, um, long-form narrative stories for Disney Plus, at the exact same time that we've been developing a post-Endgame MCU, we've been able to do something we've never done before, which is interweave them, uh, you know, from the start, from the plan. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting to be ten plus years into the MCU and have an entirely new outlet to tell stories with new characters, with existing characters, um, and the way we like to do. 90s action movie, um, uh, uh, the geopolitical thrillers, heist movies, you heard yeah. us talk about this all the time. Now we get to do play with the medium even more in a, in a multi-episode arc, which we're excited about. Very cool. I'm very excited for that. Good. Thank you, Kevin. Good seeing you as always. Yeah. I'll see you at Disneyland. Yes. So there you have it. Uh, next up is my interview with the directors of this film, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, the directing team. Uh, we talked about, we geeked out over the genius of Ben Mendelsohn. We talked about the tightrope of making a prequel, uh, choosing a kick-ass 90s soundtrack, and the choice to change Goose's name from the comics, and also, you know, that Stanley cameo and more. Here's the interview with Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. Just eat some cookies. How's it going? Uh, I really enjoyed the film. Thanks. Um, went on set. We talked to Ben Mendelsohn, and he was in character. 
He's Ben Mendel Skrull. Yeah, and he was just incredible then. And then seeing him in the movie, he's just insane. <laughs> like, can you talk about working? Like, how much of that is in the script? How much of that is him improving? On set? It's mostly in the script. I mean, I'm not trying to just protect yeah. our writing here by saying this. I, I think what Ben does so well is he takes your words and makes it feel <laughs> like it's coming out of his brain for the first time. And that's what we learned when we did our last movie with him. And, and when we had a shapeshifter in this movie, we said, uh, we got a guy. <laughs> he can <Marvel>. actually shapeshift. <laughs> his name's Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He... he will never do your words the same way twice. So every time is fresh and um and you know sometimes that means that he takes a wild ride on his way to finding what it's going to be, but it's always so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Brings that, some energy. That must give you a lot of choices in the editing. It too many. Yes, <laughs> it does. It gives you a lot of choices in the edit room, but sometimes it's just obvious like you yeah. get to take and you're just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's obviously the right thing but I think it also is just such a such a gift to the other actors because it makes it helps them to feel like they're not just doing the same thing eight bazillion times and he gives it to them off screen too and he makes everybody better he's a very sensitive actor it's really it's really nice he's, he's completely wild and crazy seeming but then yeah. super giving as well and like I remember Bree responding to stuff he was doing off camera and saying Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And it was, it was just awesome to watch. Uh, one of the things I love about this film is it's a prequel that doesn't fall into the traps of other prequels. Like, I feel like other prequels try to explain too much about the things that happen, you know, in the other films. And you, you do explain some things, but it's always not in the most expected mm-hmm. way. Can you talk about the, the, the walking that kind of... Uh, Tightrope? Um, I guess, uh, you know, it's a, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. I guess, like, we we started with just, this is going to be 1990s, pre-Avengers, pre-Iron Man world, where we meet a young Nick Fury who hasn't seen it all, and he's actually seeing it for the first time. And Captain Marvel gets to be his, like, guide on his way to understanding that there are just much bigger threats out there. And it's a much wider universe than he had imagined. And so we started with that. And then it was really just, like, the fun of seeing this character who's a little bit different than you've ever seen him before. And um, and so the little kind of, like, tiny little things that tie together, um, they were more like you know, ways to fit a puzzle piece together, but they didn't necessarily come at the beginning. They might have come in the middle, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we, you know, now that we have this structure, would it be fun if we kind of, like, wink, wink to this yeah. or wink to that? Um, and, and just, you know, obviously some things were done better, but there were some connections made better than others, but... Yeah. I think you guys did a well job. Good job, <laughs> because I feel like... There's there's a version of this movie where it's like Nick Fury meeting Coulson for the first time, and you know it's like those uh-huh. beats, and I feel like most of them are done very well. Oh. Um, probably hats off to to Kevin Feige and Jonathan <laughs> Schwartz who who like helped lead us through a lot of that like how, connecting the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, Goose in the, is in the comics, but he 
or she, she, she has a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did, who's, uh, or why did you decide to change it to Goose? We just wanted it to feel more specific to a nostalgia for Carol and uh, to feel more specific to her 80s background yeah. on Earth, you know. Uh, and it, we live in a very present Star Wars world right now, mm-hmm. and it just felt like um, Chewie was maybe just more more present than we needed it to be. It feels contemporary now. It feels contemporary again. At yeah. the time the comics were written, it was a throwback, and it was... You know, a throwback to a very specific idea and and like character choice for Carol, and now it's just it's contemporary, present. It's present. It doesn't have the same um, cultural meaning. I think. In terms of references, there's one I wanted to ask you about uh, in the blockbuster. A standy gets blown up. That's like a True Lies. I think. Mm-hmm. Is there any reason why you guys picked True Lies? Or just... People keep thinking that we like hate <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. <laughs> it's not the case at all. It's just like we we're we we're kind of like okay. So we have to very quickly tell our audience where and when we've landed. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, what better to say like mid nineties um, Earth than or you know than. A blockbuster with VHS tapes and an Arnold Schwarzenegger Sandy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I worked in a blockbuster in '95, so that was that was really part of my memory. But also, the, we really wanted to use uh, the mask, which was which would have been fun to have like the green Jim Carrey, you know? Oh maybe. yeah, yeah. Uh, but that studio didn't let us use it. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I'm saying. It. <laughs> uh, I just, they tell me to shut up if I. If I no, that that's. Completely fine. Okay, so. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're insulting another student. Not this <laughs> student. It's fine. Uh, how did you guys choose uh, the, the songs? Because the, this soundtrack is such a great 90s uh, throwback soundtrack. How, how do you do decide, uh, decide upon the songs that made it? You know, some of the songs were there from the beginning and were just part of our idea for what it for what the tapestry of the music would be. And then some of them we discovered along the way. Um, you know, the, the song in that fight scene at the end, yeah. um, it was a lot, we probably tried like 200 songs in that place before we arrived on it, on what we did, and it seems like the most obvious choice, yeah. but like still somehow we kind of like went around to come back to that song. So, you know, and it was... Um... And you're talking about No Doubt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You are trying to be coy about it? Or... Oh, was I? Oh, no. I, was... I didn't say the song name, but I was just making sure I knew. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the one. That, that came in very last minute. It was just like, well, we've been avoiding one song, everybody. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> because, like, in a way, like, you, you, you're like, does it hit the right, exact right tone of, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of on the nose, but, like, there's a certain playfulness and charge to it. And so... We were kind of, you know, like, you know, yeah. it, t- it took us a while to come around to. Yeah. Peter, turn to wrap this up with one more. One more. Uh, Stanley's cameo in this movie is so great because it's him playing him for once. Uh, can you tell me how did how did that come about? Because I, I talked to uh, Kevin. And he said it was your your ideas. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the script he's reading. Yeah. 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 That was. I mean, we had we first had the idea that he should be on. In that train for that for that moment, you know, it seemed like a, a, sure her being suspicious that he might be his girl would be a fun way to introduce Stan. But um, then, what is he doing? What is what's he going to be doing? He can't just be riding the train like listening to Walkman or something. What's he going to do and say? 
And then we thought, well, what was he doing in 95? And then Mallrats came about, and we are like, oh, he's practicing his lines for Mallrats. Let's give him a Mallrats script. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so cool. much. Thank you so I appreciate much. appreciate it. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of Slash Home Daily. You can find more of my work at SlashHome.com and at Slash Home on all social media. Slash Home Daily is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashHome.com. That's Peter at SlashHome.com. And please head on over to our iTunes page. Uh, give us a five-star review. Write us a sentence or two. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, tell your friends. Spread the word. And we will see you tomorrow.